This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. In putting together today's show, I had a choice of co-hosts. I ran into Conan O'Brien at the High V, and he begged me. Uh, Saturday and Lives, Melissa McCarthy was into it when I saw her at Brothers. Uh, and I was with Elijah Wood at Habitat for Humanity Restore, and he suggested Tom, Tom Holland for the episode. But I said, no! I want, instead, first-year medical student, Sahana Arumagam. I'm, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. Arumagam, yeah. What? Arumagam? Arumagam. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And let's get... I said, I said, let's get Nathan Spitz to join us. What He's a first year. And while we're at it, book our intern, Joel Horn, hey, for this uh, episode. To hell with those big celebrities. You are my people. Uh, Melissa McCarthy sounds pretty good, though. So welcome. I'm, I'm glad you could make it today. You guys are basically the only people who could make it today because, you know, you send, you know I sent out my usual begging yesterday uh, when I don't have enough co-hosts. And it turns out everybody has like left the building because there's no tests today. Yes, for the M1s, this is our first Friday in like nine, eight weeks Very that we true. have not had a test. And we only had one hour of required class this morning at like eight. So probably yeah. everyone is back home in bed. Taking advantage of the long weekend. Yeah. Well, I don't like it. <laughs> you don't like us or? <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying that, you, I mean, you guys are great. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys stepped up to the plate. But, you know, everybody else who is like, you know what? I'm going to take the day off. I'm not happy. I'm just kidding. You guys deserve a break. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be too hard on you. This is a break. Like if any of these med students are listening, like it's so fun to come in here and like, you know, just shoot the stuff. (laughs) Shoot the stuff. I mean, you know what I'm trying to say. The, shoot, shoot the, the breeze. Boom. You could you would have said anything. <laughs> shoot the stuff. Is not... You could say shoot. You could say shoot the shit. Okay. Yeah. You could, say, you could even if you didn't want to swear, you could say shoot the breeze. Come shoot the shit with us here on the short coat. <laughs> shoot the stuff. Um, well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to talk today about microaggressions in medicine as they. Uh, there was a New York Times article this week that caught my eye. Um, it was uh, highlighted a study called the Stanford Project Respect Initiative. Um, in the article, the uh, the author, one of the authors, VJ Periacoil, I'm going to go with, uh, discussed how they staged for video 34 real life microaggression scenarios um, and the non-aggression version of those scenarios. And these were all scenarios that relate to uh, gender microaggressions um things like uh, in a meeting uh in which a woman makes a math mistake and a male colleague jokes about how women are bad at math or a situation in which a, a woman's ideas are dismissed without consideration um you know sort of out of hand um in this study women reported that they encountered these sorts of situations often while men seemed not to see them and considered them uncommon um 
Project Respect is collecting these uh, sort of microaggression stories from healthcare personnel in the United States. Um, happens to focus on gender, but it did get me thinking about how microaggressions can be focused on all kinds of things, um, mostly because they're based on uncon the unconscious biases that we all have. Um, and there are, of course, microaggressions that are race-based or, or sexual orientation-based or, you know, basically all kinds of possibilities out there exist. Now, I like to sort of encourage students to plan and practice for when they encounter such things. And um, unlike some of the other things that we've talked about, things like, you know, what if you encounter an ethical violation um, from a superior, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, this is actually something that I think will happen. Like you will either be mm. present when it happens to someone else or it will happen to you. And so I thought... Um, I'd like to sort of um, talk about that. Um, have, first of all, have any of you witnessed um, this happening to somebody else that you can think of? I can. It wasn't in the yeah. hospital. Mm -hmm. um, but for example, like two years ago, or two summers ago, I was in Romania. Um, and three of the girls like with me from Iowa uh, were African-American. And people like would come up and like, you know, like touch their hair without asking, et cetera, because that they were different. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen just in Romania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're in Iowa too. It's such an um, odd thing, um, you know, that I think people who aren't African-American, I think they don't experience that. Nobody has ever come up to me and said, hey, I want to touch your, touch your hair. Touch your hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've experienced it a few times when I've witnessed probably like other male friends of mine in a, a meeting and a woman would get angry or frustrated about something and, and one of the guys would be like oh is it just your time of the month and cool. they'll say stuff like that and obviously that's that's incredibly inappropriate that's pretty unsubtle yeah, yeah it's like a macro macro aggression that's really i mean uh I, you know like i'm i'm i know you know i want to be clear here i'm pretty sure that as somebody with you know, 50 or so years into my belt, I have probably done this sort of thing. I could, you know, I could have said something that I thought was funny, um, that, and I can't think of any right now because I probably didn't realize I was doing it. Right. But that's what the article is saying, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, we don't really as a, as a male, for instance, I might not even notice it. Yeah. Um, actually there was one time on the show when I was talking about another podcast now, okay, now I'm remembering there's one time in the show when I was talking about another podcast. Um, and this is the, this is called uh, Sawbones and it features uh, Dr. Sydney McElroy and, uh, her husband, um, Justin McElroy. And at the time I totally blanked on, uh, Dr. McElroy's name and said it was Justin McElroy and his wife. His wife. That is a, cl that's a classic yeah. microaggression right there and of course you know my co-host being fairly comfortable with me we're like dave the <laughs> you can't do that that's so you know i think the best possible for me the best possible solution in that situation is to go you know what you're right i'm i just did something stupid i apologize um i think if someone does point it out to you like oh what did you mean by that or you know, whatever, you, however you choose to respond, I think an acknowledgement of what they said might have harmed the other person, whether they understand how or why 
I think an acknowledgement goes farther than they might think. Like it is appreciated if they're like, oh, like my bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't understand. Or I'm sorry. I, that was, that was stupid. Yeah. I feel like this is, I feel like that approach is something that I try to do in general because, um, I am, uh, very aware of my fallibility. (laughs) It's just part of who I am. Um, but yeah, it's, I just think it's especially important in those situations. It can be great, like education, like time to, for like example, like intent versus impact. Like that was something a couple of years ago that I didn't really understand like what that meant, but like, you know, understanding for that person, like even though you didn't intend, for example, like a joke for it to come off as hurtful, like the impact that you can have on others is pretty great. So like, for example, like you said, like just asking like, Hey, like, what did you mean by that? Um, can be like a great point to like, you know, interject that like idea of intent versus impact and you know in the article they 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 mentioned you know how to respond to these things and that was one of the things that they mentioned you know you should you could ask what do you mean by that um it's really difficult i think in the moment for especially for somebody who's generally non-confrontational like myself Mm. it's really difficult in the moment to like speak up and say um and sort of challenge somebody like Especially that. if it's in a work environment of, of hierarchy mm-hmm. and right. the person that's above you or more senior is making the joke or aggression and you're going to be presumed as being insubordinate to them by saying, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you mean by that. Or I, Well, I think, I, I think you could be like, you could really be, you could really play kind of dumb about it and just be like, uh, what, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And just sort of force them to yeah. explain themselves and maybe either... They will be like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Or they'll at least dig themselves deeper into yeah. <laughs> into a hole. <laughs> I think that's a good strategy. It's often done in a, in a sense of humor, isn't it? To make like the person feel uncomfortable and the other people in the room to laugh and feel like, oh, I'm this popular guy who can make these jokes. I, I gotta tell and you, if I, you can cut that out by saying, I'm just stupid. I don't know what you mean. Right. Then the humor's gone. Right. And the person's, that's great. That's a great right. point. And, and, and yeah, I'm a person who I, I don't, maybe you haven't noticed this about me, but I'm a person who, um, sort of reflexively goes for the laugh. Mm. And so the, the allure of, you know, people laughing is very strong for somebody like me, um, for whatever reason. And, um, yeah, it would be, it would be easy to let that sort of take, take control of my, of my better judgment. Um, so I get that. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever, as a woman, can I put you on the spot? Have you ever encountered? Probably, probably like multiple times, but I don't know. I don't, I can't really recall yeah. any like specific instance off the top of my head. I should start writing them down or something and then. Well, yeah. Have a log. You got a, yeah, a log. Yeah. <laughs> a microaggression log. Here's who, here's who made me angry this week. Yeah. I'm fill up pretty fast. What? <laughs> <laughs> What did you mean by that? <laughs> what do you, how do you think? It, 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 I think I, I think go, thinking about like what the article is talking about being an upstander versus a bystander. I mm. think I personally find that easier to, if I see someone else being, I guess, microaggressed against to like step in on them. Or even if like the situation kind of just passes by and you didn't get a chance to at least like check in on them and be like, hey, I caught what that person said, like, that was not cool, like, are you okay, or however. Um, I think, I've personally, I find that easier than, like, 
telling the person like, oh, what did you mean by that? Because Mm -hmm. I don't know, for whatever reason. But I think if everyone had like an upstander um, nearby when stuff like that happened, if people are like calling out other people on behalf of someone else, I think that can be like equally beneficial. Yeah, I mean, I think the popular phrase these days is, um, you know, I see you. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you can indicate that you noticed, mm. um, to the other person that in of itself, I think is what you're saying is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think I, as guys in, in relation to this article in that we often clearly don't notice, mm-hmm. um, what's happening? What do you think's uh, helpful things to be aware of in realizing, ah, okay, that was an insensitive comment or that was a microaggression. Yeah, I prefer the term bros. <laughs> bros. Us guys. Dudes. Broskies. Yeah. I don't know. I guess get better at reading people's like facial expressions because I feel like when you say something like that, like a lot of times you could probably read on that person's face like a, mm, like, I, you <laughs> know, like they're not just going to be like blank face, like, or if they're just like. Even if they're laughing. Yeah. That's like, the thing. Like, even if they're laughing, if you pay enough attention, I think you can tell. Yeah. Sometimes. Just get better at reading people's quizzical expressions or just like, I don't know. I don't know. I have no advice in particular. Because it might be kind of reductionist too, but like even just reading articles like this, I think kind of like Mm. helps like bring microaggressions to like the forefront of my mind. Like, hey, I need to like continuously check myself because like during the sludge of medical school, you know, I'm not like, you know, pulling out my watch out for microaggression like yeah. articles etc so even just like small things like this i think like helps you know like keep it like in the front of our minds and mm. more like aware i feel like even just like the examples it has right like if there's certain things you didn't realize was a microaggression even if mm. like you're saying like you read it in an article you're like oh that's a microaggression i've said that before and like now you remember i won't say it again kind yeah. of thing so i don't know i think uh i, I think also um it's a matter of just experience. Yeah. You know, it is it, it when I was younger, you know, in the nineties, these things were probably, um, more common, uh, and less, and less remarked upon. I think that's what I'm trying to get. They, these things were less remarked, but they probably weren't more common, but they were less remarked upon back then. Um, and now, in the uh, as we approach the 2020s mm-hmm. um i think it's more common for people to think about that uh, so as society sort of matures um in whatever way we're maturing right now which is very difficult for me to yeah to understand um interesting so i was on med twitter and speaking <laughs> of microaggressions there was like a thread of like older attendings talking about like the where are you from question like oh where are you really from mm-hmm. oh, so if you're like of a, in a minority group or right or you're... so it seemed like the older people were like oh we're just trying to get to know them we just you know like that's just a simple question etc mm-hmm. we don't mean any harm but then you know kind of like the new wave kind of came in and like hey like you know like that's not okay to ask like where are you really from etc like there's so many other alternative ways to ask like where's your home i oh, i'm remembering another one i did coming clean on the show (laughs) coming clean this confession time yeah um we did a show with a uh a doctor from the west coast by the name of hendry ton he he had a uh department in one of the ucla schools that focused on um, cultural uh sensitivity (laughs) yep 
<laughs> yeah. Setting the stage. Impatient, <laughs> right. I'm setting the stage. And uh, among the things we were going to talk about on the show, I knew we were going to talk about um, uh, how people who come from Asia, people who come from countries in Asia, have um, very non-Western ideas about medicine, right? Or I knew I was trying to find podcasters and um, to one of the Asian podcasters I, I, who I knew was from the U.S., I was like, how Asian are you? <laughs> wow. I'm so sorry, uh, Willis. Um, I see you now. <laughs> but uh, I feel like that question is like pretty common. But if you ask someone where they're from, like whatever they choose to tell you, like that's where they think they're from. Mm -hmm. So you should just be like, yeah, you can let that. Lie. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could ask them like, oh, is that your hometown? Because, you know, like some people might live somewhere, but maybe they didn't grow up there. But mm -hmm. that's. Yeah, where are you really from? Like my mother's womb. Like, oh, no. like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oddly, Willis did not end up being on that show. I don't. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm evolving like the rest Look of us. Look at that okay? growth. Look I know. Growth. I know. It's been years. Okay. That was that was six years ago. Okay. Look I how think far I've come in six years. That question of like, where Such are you bullshit. really from? I've heard that? that, that. well, yeah, I get it all the time. Um, but I, I think that in the, the medical sphere, based off what I've heard from other medical students is that this is sometimes a critical question to ask with, concerning a patient's history. And that depending on their ethnicity or their background, if you can trace it back a number of generations, there are certain genetic traits which are linked with ethnicity or location and they're like, oh, this was an important question to ask. But maybe there's a way to, to do it in a less microaggressive manner. I think that's a controversial idea that's like its own discussion. Okay. Um, but I do, I do agree, like, because we just had all these lectures about like, or one lecture about like immigrant health <laughs> and how okay. it's important to know like maybe where they came from. Mm. And that's like the kind of like, where are you really from question you're asking. But that's because like, in some places, like there might be geopolitical things that you might want to take account yeah. of, like trauma or yeah. something like that, or like, mm. or, you know, like or, endemic diseases. Like, right. did you come from somewhere that had a lot of malaria, yeah. or like TB or something? So I understand like in that instance, but I think like a doctor asking a patient that is different than like my attending asking me that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is like more of the issue that you're talking about. Right. Mm. Well, uh, I'm grateful to this New York Times article for once again reminding me of all the things that I have done in my past <laughs> that I wish, uh, I wish I had not done airing your dirty laundry. Well, you know, that's part of it. I feel like, uh, I feel like in order to, to, uh, to grow from things, you've really got to tone. be honest mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just happen to have a podcast that I'm on every week where I can, <laughs> you know, where I can do that. Keep it 100. Yeah, you know. Uh, guys, it's possible that history will look back at the first part of the 21st century as the algorithmic age uh, with the collection of huge amounts of data and the huge increases in computer power, power available to crunch it. We're increasingly allowing those algorithms to help us make decisions. And one way this is playing out in medicine is hospitals are using algorithms to figure out who needs extra medical care and who doesn't. I'm not sure if this counts as a microaggression or a macroaggression, but new research 
published in the journal Science has found two problems. Uh, they are more likely to recommend relatively healthy white patients for extra medical attention over sicker black patients. Um, and these, then the other problem is these systems are used in hot, these systems used in hospitals all suffer from this same problem. They all work in more or less the same way. So my understanding of how this works is the systems examine patients, electronic health records for things like chronic illnesses, age, blood pressure, billing for previous visits and, and things like that. And it assigns the patients a risk score based on that info. Um, and so um, my understanding is the last item, billing data, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. um, patients who pay more for healthcare tend to be wealthy white people, which to the algorithms looks like they are sicker and need more help. Um, all the patients in this study are uh, were insured, um, and only those identifying as black or white were included in the study just to eliminate other um, confounding variables. So, um, you know, I guess this is an example where perhaps something well-intentioned um, has unintended consequences. Um, and this happens all the time in these algorithms. Um, the problem is called a bias by proxy. Um, and we use these proxies all the time. Mm. Um, even us. Uh, that's sort of what bias is all about. You know, we take mental mental shortcuts. I was just thinking it's kind of I think this is one of the I mean, we've like, you know, known about bias, especially against like black women getting like prenatal care, postnatal care, et cetera. I was just thinking like it's kind of crazy. It's in medicine because like my first kind of exposure to this was like seeing videos on Twitter of like black people sticking their hands under like air dryers and it not even like turning on. Yeah, I guess it's for that instance. I think that I know a lot of these algorithms are like proprietary. So I think because they're not letting giving out the algorithm to people to do research on, I think it should be kind of a requirement on the behalf of these companies to do their own kind of bias testing. And like, they have to be able to show that their algorithm is not just perpetuating biases that healthcare providers, like like human healthcare providers already have. And you're just exacerbating this problem by perpetuating the same bias with your algorithm. There should be some kind of, I don't know, like show of proof that if anything, you're reducing bias, like you would hope that your algorithm would do that. But also algorithms are made by people with biases. So sometimes, you know, it might be hard to recreate. So it's a it's a bias which isn't intentionally designed to discriminate based on race, but more about financial situation, isn't right. it? And yeah. that this coincides with the majority of black people having a smaller income and well, that therefore think... they would spend less on healthcare in comparison to white people. That seems like an entirely in hindsight, it's... it seems like an entirely anticipated anticipatable yeah. uh, thing. I don't even know if it's that they're spending or choosing to spend less or having less the ability access. to spend less. I think it's also like they just get prescribed, like they get like a lesser quality of care. Like there's a lot of literature about minorities getting like less mm. good, equal, like quality care and they just get prescribed less things. They get like um, recommended, like fewer interventions, like especially when you look at like in the cardiac field, there's a lot of literature about like black patients being recommended like less um, interventional procedures and like mm -hmm. white patients. So wow. even thinking about like versus ability to pay, even just thinking about like the utilization of that care because of the provider bias that already exists. I think yeah. something that should also have been factored in, but you're right. Like 
you would think these things could be anticipatory, but like when you're thinking about like they need some sort of proxy to make this algorithm, like how do you come up with that? Right. And these, these proxies, we have these proxies all over the place in our lives. I mean, like even in, even when we look at measuring your knowledge in medical school, right? What do we, what do we look at? We look at test scores Mm -hmm. that doesn't, that's not knowledge. That's just a number um, that may or may not correlate with you knowing things. Yeah. Um, they just have to do a better job then if these companies are going to make these algorithms. Yeah. They just need to come up with like more creative ways. And Well, you guys don't even measure health, right? When you're looking at a patient, you're looking at, you know, test results, whatever. Um, you know, we, you measure like BP and body temperature and blood sugar and weight and all that kind of stuff. None of that is actually health you know they're just correlated with health and so we're using that we're using these things as a proxy for some sort of measure of health Mm. and it may have interpreted the article wrong but it seemed like it was for something like as simple as just like recommending extra counseling care or like you know they recommended like an extra visit with like a nurse Mm -hmm. or something like that like that seems something that's so easy to just like have a conversation with your patient like hey what do you know about diabetes and if they don't know a whole lot like to just like schedule that counseling instead of having an algorithm kind Mm. of like determine or not like whether this person needs well that like extra care and then the other problem is you know once you start relying on algorithms you're you know, and you guys live your lives by algorithms, I think, or you will at some point, you know, when you actually start, you know, hanging out with patients more and, and, and trying to figure out what's wrong with them. I mean, these algorithms are going to be your bread and butter. Um, but I think like, there's a lot of cases where you become dependent on the algorithms. And so you don't recognize things that fall outside them. And then the classic, the case that I can think of right now is like, um, is, uh, self-driving cars, right? So, um, you know, they have these amazing algorithms that can actually drive cars in the city and generally speaking, not hit things, (laughs) but there are cases where like, for instance, it's only just Tesla only just rolled out, uh, an update to their, to their, uh, autopilot that, uh, system that actually recognizes of all things, traffic cones. You know, something that you see every single day. So, but people rely on these algorithms stupidly because I don't know, because they're there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of a problem. Once you've got something that looks like it's, uh, it's doing a certain thing, then you, I think might be tempting to just cede control or stop thinking about something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think that might be just human nature. Something to think about. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, let's move on. Uh, here's something kind of cool. Cystic fibrosis. It's a rare disease affecting about uh, 30,000 people in the U.S. The definition of rare, I had to look it up. Definition of rare disease in the U.S. is uh, affects one in 200,000. So CF is actually really rare. Um, but unlike other rare conditions, it's relatively well known as one that drastically reduces lifespan by clogging the lungs and the digestive tract with thick mucus that patients can't clear on their own. Um, Today's patients with uh, cystic fibrosis have been able to expect an average lifespan of only 44 years. Uh, But recently, the FDA approved a three-drug cocktail called Trikafta 
that can help 90% of CF patients where previous drug therapies only work for tiny groups of people or didn't work all that well. The research for this therapy was kickstarted in 1989 when the genetic defect that causes cystic fibrosis was first discovered. Um, and according to the Washington Post article I read, this new therapy could allow patients to live out a relatively normal life with a relatively normal lifespan. In fact, some study participants are even running marathons due to the improvements in, in you know, lung function, for instance. The results of the study were so good that the FDA has approved the therapy months ahead of schedule. The drug com combo will cost $311,000, though. Um, and while there is reason to be, you know, sort of optimistic that insurance will cover it, um, that would leave some in the U.S. who aren't insured to try to find other ways to pay for the therapy. Maybe the company in, in question will uh, reduce prices um, in certain cases, things like that. Um, and of course, uh, there are those who won't be helped. Um, there, you know, there's another, I guess, 10% who have much rarer mutations that, um, that cause CF, but not in the same way that these drugs can help them. So, and weren't those people like from like Puerto Rico or something? Like well, there was that? one study. Yeah. There was one study that identified Puerto Rican and Dominican patients who, you know, have a different, have a different kind of mutation. Yeah. Um, so the article was worrying about, like, I guess, expanding like health inequities between different patient populations that have cystic fibrosis. Like if it'll disincentivize, like looking for ways to fix the, yeah, the, like, the like rarer part of, yeah, the rarer variants. Yeah. I mean, once you get, I mean, this is a problem with, with a lot of what they call orphan diseases, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're so rare that there is no, there is less motive to do research on them. Mm. Um, and I guess that's sort of exacerbated by a, by a desire for profit um, in these drug companies. But what I did not understand is like that drastic improvement in love, lung function. Like didn't it in say love function? Love function. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if you can breathe better um, yeah. anyway, it's always good. <laughs> Wasn't it that it was going to like help prevent lung damage? Maybe I like miss. Yeah. They said it, they think it would like be, um, approved in children, which would be great because it would like prevent future lung damage, but they don't know how useful it would be in adults who've already suffered a lot of lung. Yeah. Damage. It doesn't repair the damage yeah. that's right. already been done. That damage is permanent. Right. Which left me kind of like head scratch and like, you know, there's that anecdote about that lady like running a yeah, yeah, with her daughter or something yeah. like that. And yeah. like a couple of days after taking it too, which is. Yeah. I guess I don't really understand what the drug is. She, and how it works, I, I think I, if I remember correctly in the article that that person said that she had not yet experienced a lot of the, uh, um, potential damage that okay. can uh, happen in CF. She would, she had been lucky mm -hmm. that to date that hadn't been as much of an issue as it would be for other people. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, assuming if you can intervene much earlier, uh, in children, I you guess there's double their lifespan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the striking comment from one of the physicians interviewed was, you know, now these people can start planning for retirement rather than asking themselves whether they go to can college. even go to college. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's um, amazing. on the other hand, I always get a little, uh, Nervous about these articles that are like breakthrough, 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 because uh, a lot of them turn out to have either either be sort of exaggerated in the press mm -hmm. or have caveats that we didn't know about in the beginnings. So. Mm, like the cost. 
well, the cost yeah. or the side effects or, you know, all kinds of potential roadblocks. I mean, this really does sound like one of those too good to be true kind of, kind of things. Hopefully it is true, but kind of crazy. That's like 30 years from like that. They discovered the gene to like, now they actually have something to like, yeah, fix that. Like that's it's not a long time, you know, like it's not as these things go. So truck. Yeah. yeah science. All right. Sahana, Nathan, you guys are going to be doctors one day. And Joel, it just so happens that you're married to someone who will be a doctor someday, right? You want to, you want to call her out on the show? Yeah, Megan. Uh, (laughs) uh, So I'm going to put on my fake medical educator hat today to facilitate a small group activity. See, I got the lingo. The small group activity I'm calling medical quirks. You'll each take turns being the doctor. The others are the patients. The doctor will step outside uh, while the patients decide what their illness is. When that's done, the doctor will come back in and we'll begin the patient interview to figure out what is wrong. Who wants to be the first doctor? I can do it. All right. I love your, your uh, what's the word I'm looking for? G- gusto. Your vim, your vigor. <laughs> so uh, yeah, step into the soundproof booth. That is my <laughs> office. Uh, close the door. You guys can come on over. Whoops. You guys can come on over here and select a a uh, illness. Okay, we've got a few choices here. Which one? Uh, I don't know. These are self-sabotaging the, is too broad. Yeah, and we don't have any of these. To oh, when sniffing, that'll be good. We'll be like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah. So your character is prone to sniffing when worried. All right. I'm just really nervous about <laughs> getting my test results back. <laughs> Okay. Oh, wait, was that too loud? Yeah. That might have been too loud. All right, Sahana. Now, could you hear any of what they... I just heard... Okay, we got to do it again. <laughs> Go back out there. Damn it. <laughs> You're too loud, man. Okay, well, now we know. I have this problem, too. I'm very loud. Now we know. I can't... It was such a good idea. I know. Well... <laughs> oh. Your character is prone to chewing on things when bored. Okay. All right. So you gotta, so you gotta act bored, and you gotta chew on things. Yeah. All right, Sahana. I think we got this one. Not a very good soundproof booth when you can speak slightly loudly and summon the person back into the room. All right, uh, Doctor Sahana. Okay. Uh, I feel like this is like weird practice for OSCE. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, no, this is patient interviewing. Tricky. This is great. This is why we're <laughs> doing this. Bit, yeah. Take it away. Okay. Who should I ask first? Oh well, they're both the patient. You're 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 in, the same patient. Yeah. Well, they're they're the, they they suffer from the same problem. Mm. Got it. Okay. So why don't you begin by telling me what you're here today for? I don't want to be here today. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just tired. You're tired. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> I don't know what to do. In yeah. life, in general? Yeah. And... yeah. 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 Okay. Just so I describe the scene for our listeners. Um, <laughs> Joel is gnawing away on the back of a pencil. And Nathan is chomping on his nails. Um, all right. Uh, why don't you begin by telling me when you guys <laughs> became so tired? <laughs> 
<laughs> Just get to the point already. <laughs> I don't even know. All right. Uh, how long has this lasted it's for? It's like forever since you got here. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Am I supposed to be guessing what I think they have? You can guess yeah. whatever okay. you want. Are you guys like bored teenagers? <laughs> <laughs> That's like half of it. You're getting there. Yeah. Okay. Like, all right. Um, is there anything that makes you feel less tired? I'm not tired. Or less bored? Oh, that yeah, I, I guess uh, when I, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I... <laughs> Uh -huh. You get a major, major hint here. Mm. Uh, your board chompers? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they are prone wow. to chewing on things when they're bored. I'm going to throw this pencil in the bin, though. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you for that. All right, who wants to be the doctor next? I can step up. All right, Nathan is the doctor. Uh, you guys can come around here okay. uh, and pick... A, uh, hard. You did pretty. You did. Yeah, you did very well. You did very well. I mean, you could do unnerved by the paranormal, even though there's nothing paranormal here. You could, you could like be like, oh, but it's so unnerving, right? Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hi. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my name's Doctor. Hey, Doctor Smiths. Mister what? <laughs> Sorry. Do they call doctors Doctor so and so in in the UK or doctor, is it Doctor yeah. Doctor's Doctor? My name's Doctor Doctor. Uh, what brings you into the clinic today? Um. Oh, I've been thinking and yeah, seeing just, things. Yeah, just seeing seeing some stuff. Oh yeah, yeah tell me more. Spooky. Um. It was Halloween. <laughs> I went trick-or-treating. Okay. Did you get some good candy? No. No. no okay. Really bad candy. Neck <laughs> <laughs> wafers and shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you went trick-or-treating. Yeah. I just can't sleep at night now. Yeah. Just keep seeing seeing things. Seeing things. Yeah. What kind of things are you seeing? Just, just real, uh, real spooky things. Bed sheets. Bed sheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Floating. Okay. Float oh, where were these bedsheets floating at? Oh my gosh, like on the trees. Down the street. Okay. I walked down the street. They had a tree swing. And in the right. tree swing, oh my gosh, it was a skeleton. It was waving at me. Oh, so you're seeing skeletons and floating bedsheets. Yeah. I just, and dead so people. Scared. I see dead people. And dead, dead oh, people. Sixth Sense. Oh, that's such a good movie. <laughs> we're just trying to build rapport right yeah, now. Yeah, well done. Thank you. Um... Wow, okay, yeah. So how does that make you feel when you see these spooky things? Nervous. Oh, my heart just can't stop racing, yeah. That's pretty tough. Are you seeing these spooky things now? All the time. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Are there any in the room with us? Where are they? No. Oh, it just vanished. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see him? Oh, yeah, I think I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow>. um, okay. <laughs> okay, so y'all went trick-or-treating and saw something scared. Is, am I, is there more? Am I only on like the top layer? I, you know, uh... Should we probe some more? Should we probe some more? This is hard. <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, this is a tough one to get exactly right. 
So okay. I'm going to I'm going to give it to you. They are unnerved by the paranormal. Okay. Got a little sidetracked right. by the whole Halloween thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the whole Halloween thing. Okay. All right, okay. Uh, Joel, you're the doctor now, okay. I guess. Uh, you can step into the soundproof, not at all soundproof booth. And we can select a new one. Oh, that would be microaggression. You had a flirtatious Ooh, disposition. Let's do it. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're, you hang on. Your, your character is a flirtatious disposition. Did you hear any of that? Nothing. All right. Good afternoon, patients. Good afternoon. Welcome to my office. <laughs> Thank you. You're looking good today. Yes, Thanks. You look really you good too. today, doctor. Have you been going to the gym? <laughs> you know, I haven't been to the gym in a long time, but working as a doctor, you're required to walk up and down stairs a lot. So I've been getting my exercise like that. How are you well, feeling you, today? You <laughs> <laughs> well, you would have fooled me. <laughs> uh, okay. I, was, I was doing rough, but I'm feeling better now. I'm so glad that you were. What, what made you feel rough before? <laughs> <laughs> why you were feeling rough? What what brought you in here today? Um, you know, I was feeling like a little little heartache, but you know, my like heart was hurting. Better but now. yeah, it's better, better now. now. Like a heartburn? Like you ate something strange? Or <sighs> no, kind of butterfly. Like you ache. know, yeah. But like now ache. it's kind of like an butterflies. Ache. Like broken. <laughs> <laughs> broken heart. But not anymore. Like not you anymore. being in here. Wow, yeah. it's okay. really helping. Okay. Would you have said the same thing if, like, your vision wasn't very good? Is it oh. no, but is it mostly like visual stimulus, which has improved your heart condition? And your voice is really yeah, soothing. Yeah, you smell nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Is that, All the senses. That, is that a woody oak smell. Mm. Is that okay. Old Spice? Wow. Old Spice. <laughs> so we've got like a a smell remedy, a Ooh. visual remedy. No, it's uh, a, a hearing rem remedy. It's a, it's a you remedy. <laughs> it's a you. <laughs> you are my prescription. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just okay. what the patient ordered. Wow. Tall glass of doctor. <laughs> so it's definitely, definitely an emotional condition which you came in here for, and you feel that it's been resolved now and oh yeah right when you walk through the door wow okay that's that's a pretty good uh pretty good remedy any any guesses what their problem is what their problem is <laughs> they just need to see a doctor <laughs> oh, we want to see this doctor <laughs> they're like insanely attracted to yeah, I would say that's right. Yeah, you, yeah. they have a they are, they're like an extremely flirtatious, very flirtatious. Oh, flirtatious. That's what it was. Yep. Flirtatious disposition. You did a really good job. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I get the feeling Sahana was like, I'm not quite sure about <laughs> how to do this, but Nathan, Nathan knew. Fantastic <laughs> job. Thank yeah. you. All right, wow. uh, let's Thanks do a you again, Sahana. Oh gosh. Okay. You can be the doctor. It's nice switching between the roles. <laughs> what, mermaids? Yeah, mermaids. Mer mermen. 
try another one? Yeah. Okay. We'll see what you can do with the. Your character believes in secret societies. All right, Sahana. Yes. Getting all these suggestions, by the way, from springhole.net if you want to play this game at home. All right. Good morning. Morning. It's afternoon, actually. Okay. Didn't you good, know? Good afternoon. Oh um, my god, did you know that the afternoon was invented by the pagans? Yeah. They saw the, the sun like, move between the, the stones, which mm -hmm. they look at, mm -hmm. and then they realized when it passed the stone, that's uh -huh. afternoon. So you should know it's afternoon. I, sh I should. Yeah. My bad. Look it up. Okay. I, I will. <laughs> what are you guys in here today for? <laughs> Well, you know, how, how I don't even I know you? why I'm here. Why, 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 why are, are here you to here? See doctors? <laughs> you know, like I, I remember speaking to my friends at the at the Freemasons, and they were like, "Doctors are there to, you know, are you guys conspiracy take theorists? you away and just steal the money from you." And I should never see a doctor. Right, I was out looking for big. Sorry, I was out looking for Bigfoot. And I like tripped on the oh, canyon. Yeah. yeah, something like hurts pretty bad. If you okay. can help fix that. Do you guys suffer from? Being a cryptozoologist. <laughs> yes. Cryptozoologist. <laughs> but that's not the answer. No, okay. Definitely. Not conspiracy theorists. No, we wanted to make sure Bigfoot could get caught. You know, mm -hmm. he's been causing right. a lot of distractions. So yeah. What there are some people out there which can do this thing because the police can't do it. Uh -huh. But we know there are other people who right. can. But what kind of the people? Eye. They have the eye. The eye. Mm -hmm. They yeah. have eyes. All over your money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, they have the eye. <laughs> More than two eyes. Um, I don't even know what to ask you next. Um, it's always on our mind. Yeah. You know, what else is on your mind? What else? This. Wherever we right. are, we see indications of it, and we're like, "Oh, that was them. That group of people. They did that." Are you thinking of the Illuminati? Kind of. One of them. Yeah. One yeah. of them. Yeah. Not Which just one? them. They had Bigfoot too. Freemasons too. You know, they control the government, they control our Deep banks. State. Yeah. Deep <laughs> <state>. <laughs> Would you tin tin foil hat wearers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I feel like you're kind of there. You're pretty close with the conspiracy theory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Specific kind of conspiracy, conspiracy theory. Oh. theory like though, Illuminati, Freemasons. You know, you're not meant to know about them. But you do like a hidden cabal. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. There you go. Secret society. People. <laughs> oh, okay. They believe in secret society. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let me try. Uh, let's do one more. Which of you want to go? The afternoon was good. That got me. That was. Good. <laughs> I thought you were guys. It was gonna be like something like pedantic or like annoying. <laughs> oh, is annoyed by people. They're annoyed by people who are prone to absentmindedly taking things apart. That's not even possible. Yeah. No. <laughs> this would be actually good for this room. Yeah. All right. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's that's cruel, but we should, yeah. So so we've decided that uh, that they will do all of these things, these three things that we have presented here. Uh, their characters are annoyed when things are out of place. They are annoyed by sports, and their character believes in fairies. Oh, no, just the first one. Oh, you just want to do yeah, the yeah. first one? We were just going to rearrange the stuff. Oh, <laughs> I completely misinterpreted. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
their uh, character gets annoyed when things are out of place. Yeah. All right, Nathan. Oh, I'm just going to sneak right past you. All right, how are y'all doing today? Afternoon, Doctor. All right. Okay. Oh, oh, what you got there? I don't like it when that this. Uh, just, we can't get things straight. This is better. Yeah. Oh, it's better. So it it helps when you organize these things. Yeah. You should move in back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I not have my headphones? Your okay. headphones aren't on straight. No. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. All right. So that setting, looks much better over there. Okay. Setting the scene, uh, we have organized intense organizing of objects. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my god! You're so oh. annoying. <laughs> why did you? Do I don't know why that happened. Okay. So how did that make you feel uh, when you're really frustrated now? Very annoyed. Okay. Oh All right. Gosh. So I'm, I'm picking up that you're feeling really annoyed when things aren't organized. Okay. Yes. I think you got it. <laughs> Is that, they get annoyed when things are out of place. <laughs> I don't know how well that's gonna come across. <laughs> right, it's just a lot of yeah, <laughs> the moving thing. But you know, not everything that I that I suggest you do on the show works. <laughs> well, that's our show. Sahana, Nathan, Joel, thanks for hanging out with me today. Thank thanks you. Thank us. you. And of course, thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are available. Your questions, listeners, are what we live for because they mean the show can be about what you want it to be about, and I have to do less work coming up with random things to talk at you each week. So send your questions and comments to the shortcoats at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. And while your podcast app is open, let's have some stars and reviews from you to let us know if we're doing the right thing. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government, an ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Kate DeCherry. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 